0: last week I was I was spending some time kind of preparing for this week thinking ahead of the advent season and what we're going to be doing together as a church family and I was I was spending some time in prayer and I don't know if you've ever had one of those times where you're trying to pray And like this random memory or thought keeps coming to mind. And you're like, man, get out of my head. I'm trying to focus on God. Like, help me focus on God. And then you start to realize, oh, wait, maybe that memory or that thought is actually something God is trying to put on my heart. And so last week, it was actually at the 11 o'clock, I was downstairs praying while Dave was preaching. Sorry, Dave. I was downstairs praying while Dave was preaching. And as I was praying, uh, this random memory kept coming to my mind. And finally, I stopped and said, "Okay, God, maybe this memory is something that you're wanting me to focus on. And so I stopped and I started thinking about it. And I think what the Lord was giving me was a metaphor to help us shape and understand our time together today, and also our time together in the next three or four weeks. Um, And so this memory was of a time that I was a student. I was 21 years old. um, I did a semester overseas in Australia. I lived in Australia for three months, and we lived in Brisbane, Australia. And just off the coast was this island called uh, North Stradbroke Island. And it was like our favorite place to go. So anytime we weren't studying or in class, we would hop on the ferry and go out there to surf or to camp or explore or whatever. And one day I went out with a good friend of mine, and we decided we were just going to explore this one part of the island. Uh, it was on, the, it was on the, the eastern part of the island facing the Pacific Ocean, and there was this rocky outcropping that kind of went out where the waves would come in and break, and there were all these little inlets. And so we hiked around there, and we came to the end of one of these points, and we realized that there was a set of rocks that stood on its own a little island of rocks, separate from this other island that we were on. And we just thought, man, how epic would it be if we could get out to that point and swim out there? there was, it was just rocks, like this rocky crag sticking out of the water. And so, between us and that little rocky crag was, I don't know, the distance, maybe about from me to that first pillar here in the cannery that you had to swim across. And as we stood there looking, saying, do we really want to swim out there? We're watching the water, and this was the ocean. So there weren't waves crashing but you could see the swell the rise and the fall of the ocean there so the water would just rise up and then go back down and then rise up and go back down and we thought let's go for it so we we jumped in and we swam across the swimming wasn't that bad it wasn't until we got to the other side we got to that rock And we began to go, wait a minute, we've got to somehow get out of this rising and falling water onto this steep rock face that's sticking out of the water. Maybe this wasn't as good of an idea as we thought it was. And so what we had to do was literally tread water right next to the rock, and the swell would lift us up. And once it lifted us up, we had to grab onto the rock, and as it dropped back down, we would be left hanging there on the edge of this rock, and then we'd scramble up to the top and sit. And it was this super fun memory that we had. We just laughed together. And as I was thinking about that last week, I asked God, I'm like, God, why are you reminding me of this memory right now? What does this have to do with what we're getting ready to do as a church family? And he took me to this moment where I was in the water facing the rock. And I remember that feeling of while I'm sitting there in the rising and the falling of the water, everything around me felt terrifying. (laughs) The water was terrifying, the rock felt terrifying. It wasn't until I was standing on top of that rock that I was able to have some security and some peace of mind. And I think that this is often how it can feel for those of us who are Christians living in the midst of the culture around us. It can feel like sometimes we are able to swim up to Jesus, the rock on whom we long to stand, but the noise and the uncertainty, the instability and the chaos of our culture Often make it feel impossible or even scary to truly take hold of Jesus and to stand upon him. This thought, as I thought about this and I thought about the season that we're entering into, I was reminded of the story that we've been in together for the last 10 weeks. I was thinking about the Israelites. Remember, they came out of Egypt, and they were at Mount Sinai in the wilderness, and there's this random place that we didn't spend a lot of time looking in, Leviticus chapter 23, where God gives the Israelites these sacred days and these appointed festivals that they were to observe year after year after year after year. And he wasn't putting a burden on their shoulders, but it was almost as if the Lord knew. He said, listen, the culture that you're getting ready to go into in Canaan, oftentimes it is going to feel like tumultuous waters. It's going to feel like churning waters all around you and you need these annual touch points where you can remember the rock on whom you stand. You can remember your identity. You can remember the one who brought you out of Egypt, the one that delivered you and the one that leads you and the one that uh, dwells among you. You know, over the centuries, the Christian tradition has also developed some kind of built-in touch points that help us to remember who we are and who we are shaped by, and help us to remember the rock that we stand on. And today marks the start of one of those traditions, and that is the tradition of Advent. Now, I don't know what your history is with church. I don't know if you grew up in church, or maybe you didn't. Maybe this is your first time in church. And, you know, I grew up in church, and yet Advent was something very unfamiliar to me. Advent felt like a tradition that didn't belong to my world of Christianity. It was something that other Christians did. And honestly, it felt like if I was going to observe Advent, it felt like just another tradition that I was going to have to throw on top of a mountain of traditions that already existed surrounding Christmas. But here's the thing about Advent that's really beautiful. Advent is not necessarily a tradition that we do, so much as as a posture through which we enter into the Christmas season. It is a fixing of our feet upon the rock that Christmas is supposed to draw us to. So Advent is the season where we position ourselves and ready ourselves for what we are anticipating. You see, Christmas, for those of us who follow Jesus, Christmas has this potential to be an extremely significant time. And yet often Christmas looks for those of us who are Christians just like it does for the rest of our culture. Oftentimes it doesn't look any different for us. And here's what I mean, I think our culture actually has some really beautiful hopes for Christmas. Our culture has beautiful hopes for the holiday season. It's this this idea that, hey, the holiday season is about having a meaningful time with the people that you love. Or it is about the giving of generous gifts to those in your life. Or it's about sharing a meaningful and rich meal with those who are in your life. And yet, oftentimes, if we're not careful, even those things that feel meaningful can begin to feel like the rest of our lives surrounded by the churning waters. And so, what's supposed to be a meaningful time with family sometimes feels a little bit overwhelming. If, if, your time with that, if your time with those meaningful people in your life is marked by unresolved tensions or conflicts that you haven't worked through, as you get ready to go into the holiday season, you know you're going to be around that family member that you still haven't talked about that incident that happened the year before, or there's been some sort of tragedy or crisis in your family, and this is the first time you've all come together. Or, or maybe it's, you know, we've just come out of an unusually tumultuous political season in our country. And you're going, man, how in the world am I going to navigate staying away from the political topics with that person that I know in my family does not share the same political ideals that I do? And so you can go into it with a lot of fear and angst and anxiety, or maybe even the, the generous giving of gifts or the sharing of meals can even be overwhelmed by the tumultuous waters. And if we're not careful, sometimes the the message is not about generous giving, it's like the message is, hey, in this season that has so much potential for meaning, we can be overwhelmed by consuming and indulging, and the message is, hey, just eat what you want, drink what you want, hey, it's okay, spend money that you don't have, it's just this, this one time of year, hey, buy gifts that that person doesn't even need, just because it's what you're supposed to do. And if we're not careful, we can end up on the other side of Christmas, feeling more overwhelmed and stressed than we were on the front end of Christmas. But Advent is this time where we posture ourselves and position ourselves so that we can enter into this season with something more, with some kind of hope. It's intended to draw our eyes towards and fix our feet upon the rock on whom we stand and to give the, us the proper posture of a secure footing as we enter into the Christmas season with those around us. Advent. It's just—it's a simple word, it comes from the Latin word that means uh, coming or arrival, and it's about the coming of Christ. It's the traditional celebration of the first advent or the first coming of Jesus as an infant when he was born that day to Mary and Joseph. But it is also about the anticipatory waiting of his second advent or his second coming. So we live in this time in between where we have this historical moment of Jesus coming into the world. As we eagerly await for Jesus' second coming to make all things right. This season is a time for remembering and rejoicing, but it's also a time to reflect upon the promises of God and to anticipate the fulfillment of those promises when He returns. Advent is is marked by this spirit of expectation, of anticipation, of, of preparation and of longing. There's this yearning for deliverance from the evils of the world to be pulled out of the churning waters. It's very similar to what we saw the Israelites experiencing in Egypt. When they were in Egypt awaiting for God to move on their behalf and to deliver them, this is kind of what we are in with Advent. We we know that God has moved and that God has come, and yet we anticipate and long for him to come again. There are a variety of ways to celebrate Advent and to observe Advent and to enter into that season. Uh, one of the things that, that many, many churches, many Christians do around the world is, is by using these candles. You'll see these candles on the table here in front of me that aren't usually here. And in the past, what we have done on our last Sunday together each year, we have a kind of candlelight service where we light what we call the Christ candle. And you know, the, the reason that candles are used is because all through Scripture, Jesus is referred to as the light of the world. He is the light that comes into darkness. He is the source of all hope and all life and all peace and all joy that enters into the world. And so the can- candles are there to remind us of the light of the world who is Jesus. And so the central candle here is the Christ candle, which we will light on our last time together uh, this year as a church family. But there's also these four other candles, and all each one of these candles has, has different meaning to it. And so as we begin today, the season of Advent, we will light what is called the hope candle. And the hope candle is to to draw our attention to the anticipation of the coming of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, but also understand the hope in the coming of Jesus that weaves its way throughout the entire Bible, through the Old Testament and the New Testament. You find God speaking to his prophets and telling his people, hey, I will not leave you alone. I am a rescuer. I am a savior, and I will send one in whom you can hope for. And in the climax of the Bible, you find the entry of Jesus into the world, the one who brings true hope for all who need it, the one who brings true salvation. And so we, again, with expectation, we have seen the first advent. We've seen it come. We've met Jesus. We've seen him come to earth to offer salvation. And yet now we long and we wait for his second coming. We long and we wait for him to reveal himself to the world again. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to light this hope candle, but I want to invite everyone to stand with me. And there's a prayer that we're going to read together as I light the hope candle where we ask God to give us the courage to hope. And then we're going to read some scripture together and we'll sing a song together. Let's begin by lighting the candle and praying with one another. You can see the words to the prayer up on the screen. Let's read together. God, as we begin this Advent journey, grant us the courage to hope. Hope for your presence. Hope for your peace. Hope for your promise. We light this candle in hope.
1: Amen. Please remain standing for the word of God. This reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. In the last days... The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He he will teach us His ways, so that we may walk in His paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nations will not take up sword against nation nor will they train for war anymore
2: this is from psalm 25 in you lord my god i put my trust i trust in you do not let me be put to shame Nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear Him. He makes His covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only He will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles.
0: I invite you to close your eyes for this last reading from God's Word and just listen to these words out of James chapter 5 verse 7 and 8 Be patient then my brothers and sisters until the Lord comes again See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its crop waiting patiently for autumn and spring to rain So you too brothers and sisters be patient and stand firm Because Jesus is coming.